Well, today we are beginning a brand new series that I'm super excited about. And this, um, um, this particular series is one that I'm very passionate about. And uh, one of the things that uh, I am, I wholeheartedly believe that is without question at the core behind everything that we see, everything that we read, everything that's going on in our culture and our society and really our world for that matter, I believe is a breakdown of the family. And today we're kicking off this new series called The Winning Family. And you may be here today and you're thinking, well, I, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not even married or I don't have kids yet or, or you know, I'm an empty nester or, or whatever your situation or circumstances might represent. But I just want to say this. Today, moving forward from the next coming weeks, I want to challenge you to be a part of every service. So we're going to learn from God's playbook, God's ultimate handbook on what we can do to build a winning family and ultimately win in life. I don't think there's a person here that's listening to my voice that does not want to win in the game of life. We want to have a winning life. We want to win in our marriage. We want to win with our kids as a family. We want to win in all aspects. And not only that, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the good news is, is that you've already won because of who you are and because of whose you are in Jesus Christ. Back in the day, in 1929, during the Rose Bowl, it happened to be the national championship, and Cal Berkeley was playing uh, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets for the national championship in the 1929 Rose Bowl. And during about midway in the second quarter, the Georgia Tech football team had fumbled the ball. And the ball was actually scooped up by the defensive center, nose guard at the time, by, the, by, by a guy's name by the name of Roy Regals. Where Roy picked up the ball and all of a sudden he got hit. And as soon as he got hit, it kind of turned him around. He lost somewhat of his sense of orientation as to where he was. And then after he finally regained his balance, he took off. And I mean took off running for his life. And he was only about 30 yards from the Yellow Jackets end zone. But instead, he ran for his life the opposite direction. And the crowd was confused. They were, so one side was cheering, the other one was yelling at him like, you're going the wrong way. And so the teammates, in fact, one specific teammate who was running very quickly behind him, finally caught up to him on the third yard line just before he was getting ready to cross their own goal line. And his teammate caught up with him. And as soon as he grabbed him and said, turn around, you're going the wrong way, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets team literally swarmed the guy and tackled him on the one yard line. Well, the guy was so distraught so embarrassed by what happened he went into you know the second he went into halftime and he was just weeping and sobbing and man he was he felt like he let down his team he let down his coach and he was so embarrassing he told his coach he said coach there's no way in the world i can go back out there for the second half there's no way in the world that i can i can do this and what what the coach did the coach looked at him 
And everybody from that point moving forward, you just need to know, if you, if you Google the guy's name, Roy Regal, his nickname is Roy Wrongway Regal. But his coach believed in him. And his coach simply told Roy, he said, get back out there and play. He said, the game isn't over. And I just believe with all of my heart, in a lot of ways, God is trying to say the exact same thing to us as families, as couples. Because sadly and unfortunately, we are living in a time, we're living in a day and age where many people they are going the wrong way. They're moving further and further away from God's plan, God's purposes, God's original design for the family, for marriage, and really how to live life. And sadly and unfortunately, for a lot, they are messing up, they're fumbling, they're, they're living their lives in total confusion. They're disoriented because they thought that their way was right. But sadly and unfortunately, the devil wants to trip us up and the devil wants to confuse us and the devil wants to get us off path. The devil wants us to live the wrong way. He wants us to live, listen, in a way that is the opposite direction from what God desires because that's his agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's got one goal and that is to wipe you out. And sadly and unfortunately, and I'm not going to give the devil any credit, but at the end of the day, he's doing a pretty good job on creating havoc and wreaking havoc and creating chaos in our culture. But God is trying to say to our families, and I believe to every one of us here today, he's wanting us to understand the fact that, hey, the game is not over. As a matter of fact, even though that guy Roy went back and played the game of his life during the second half, even though they lost the game, God wants to remind you, hey, we not only have more game to be played, but we already win at the end. Because guess what? We've already read the final chapter, and Jesus Christ came into the world. He died. He was buried. Listen, he conquered sin. He conquered death. And he arose from the grave. And we celebrated that last week because Jesus is alive. And we win as followers of Jesus Christ. So we can't throw in the towel. We can't hold our heads between our legs and say, it's over. I've messed up. Man, our family is in a mess. Man, we've, we've gone the opposite direction. Man, we fumbled the ball. Listen, as a couple, as an individual, as a family, you cannot believe the lie that you are what you've done. You cannot believe the lie that it's too late to fix problems. It's too late to deal with some of the things that maybe have caused your children a lot of heartache and, and, and frustration and confusion because some of the choices that maybe they've made. Maybe you as a parent, unfortunately, unfortunately were raised in a, in a home that didn't honor the Lord. Maybe you didn't grow up in a situation or a family environment where you had good role models and Christian mom and dad who, who modeled and exemplified for you the way to live your life according to God's purpose and plan. Listen, regardless of what your past might look like, you need to understand that you are not defined by your past. You are defined by who God says you are. And I want to remind you today 
that we still have more game to be played. Man, we got a second half. Hey, the game is not over. And so no matter where you are, where you've been, what kind of mistakes you've made, guess what? Yesterday ended last night. That simply means that tomorrow's pages are blank. And today we have a brand new beginning. We can start running new plays. Hey, we can start calling audibles. We can make the adjustments that we need to make to be the winning family that God has called us to be. Do you believe that? I believe that with all of my heart and all of my soul. But let me share some things with you that you need to know because sometimes we don't quite realize what's going on in our culture and our society and how it's affecting our relationships and ultimately how it's impacting our family. Here's how it's affecting our families when it comes to the relational challenges. National average still to this day states that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. According to the Daily Wire, only 18% of American households are families with married parents. According to the Daily Wire, they also report that 54% of children born in the U.S. reach their 17th birthday without a married mom and dad in the home. Barna Research states that one out of, one out of every five parents believe that they are not doing a good job training their children morally and spiritually. And parents surveyed using 15 different indicators to measure parenting performance ranked their efforts related to morality and spirituality at the bottom of the list. When it comes to the spiritual moral issues, last month in March 2023, Wall Street Journal released a new poll showing that only 39% of Americans say that faith or religion is important to them compared to 65% 25 years ago. And, and, and they also noted another major decline in other values such as hard work, patriotism, and even having children. In 2021, Gallup Research reported that the percentage of Americans belonging to a religious body has dropped to 47%, the lowest in American history. Pew Research 36% of millennials born between 1990 and 1997 hold no religious affiliation. Pew also identified Gen Z, who were born between 1997 and 2015, is considered to be the first post-Christian generation. Over 34% of Gen Z consider themselves to be non-religious and 21% consider themselves to be atheists. Barna goes on to also state that only 4% of Gen Z has a biblical world view. Now when you hear that, you think, wow, we are losing. But again, we know what the last chapter says. The culture and the devil wants us to hear those kind of things and throw it in our face and say, look, it's over. Game is over. Lights are out. It's too late. We can't recover. But here's what God says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I love this. This is a promise to you and me. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 14, it says, For I know, God says, the plans that I have for you, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, 
I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will end your captivity and I will restore your fortunes. And I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and I will bring you home again to your own land. What's interesting is that the prophet Jeremiah, who penned those words, had been warning God's people for some 40 years about the coming judgment. You say, what do you mean coming judgment? Well, he was warning them over and over and over that they were going the wrong direction. They were going the wrong way apart from God's plan. They were worshiping idols. They were living in immorality. They were living in rebellion. And Jeremiah kept warning them over and over and over for 40 years. And the people didn't listen. They refused to listen. They wanted to do it their way. And so God said, okay, have it your way. You want to do it your way? Then you're going to have to reap the consequences. So the Babylonians came and destroyed the temple and took siege and actually took the people of Israel. Many, most, a vast majority were exiled into a foreign land known as Babylon. And unfortunately, they were living under the oppression and they were living under harsh conditions and situations and circumstances. And they were basically forced to conform to a culture that was totally in opposition to who God was and God, God's plans and God's purposes were all about. So 40 years goes by with him warning year after year they refuse to listen and now they're reaping the consequences. But because God is faithful and because God is just and because God is a God of mercy and God is a God of new beginnings, Guess what God did? God said, okay, you've suffered enough. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you out from that place. Because they were there for about 30 years in Babylon. And it was during this time frame that God began to once again remind the people of his plan. He had a good plan. He had a purpose. And it was a good plan. And he had a future and he had a hope and he wanted them to understand you can either do it your way or you can do it my way and if you will do it my way I promise you you're going to experience the blessings you're going to experience my favor you're going to experience my abundant provision and you're going to experience everything that I have destined for you and your families for generations to come and so that's why I love this particular passage of scripture and I want to just break it down Quickly, and here's what I want to share as it relates to this. How can you have a winning future as a family? How can you have a winning future in your life, in your marriage, if you're a parent with kids? How can you have a winning future as a family? Three things. I would encourage you to jot these down. You can also get it on our app if you have our app you can download the app number one is this get a fresh perspective of your family so important to get a fresh perspective because in jeremiah 29 verse 11 it says for i know the plans i have for you says the lord they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope so god is reminding us that hey i have a i have a future i have a plan it's a good plan there is hope 
all in the middle of it. And it's something good that I have purpose for your life. So God is reminding the people once again, and he's reminding all of us once again, that, hey, he has something good in store for us. But in order for us to understand it, in order for us to see it, in order for us to wrap our minds around it, listen, we got to pause, we got to take Take note of the fact that, you know what, that maybe, just maybe, what we need is a fresh perspective of the current reality that we are maybe facing in our own home, in our own marriage, with our kids, with how we live, how we treat one another, what we say to each other, how we spend our time, the, de- the decisions and choices that we make. Because here's what happens with a lot of families. A lot of families will experience over the course of time a lot of distractions. And all those distractions, whether it's, you know, the stinking cell phone, whether it's just, you know, all the stuff that we're bombarded with, all of the things that happen in life, what? They're distractions, right? They keep us off tilt. They keep us living in chaos. They, they keep us in reactive mode. Why? Because they're distractions. Others are disappointments. We encounter setbacks and, you know, curveballs thrown at us. We didn't see it coming. And all of a sudden, we're having to adjust because of certain disappointments that, you know, unfortunately happen. Life happens. And so there are disappointments. There, there are distractions. But then a lot of people just live with regrets. All the should-haves and could-haves or, well, it's too late for this or too much water under the bridge or my past and this and that. And so what happens is a lot of people live with regret. And then when they're in regret, well, guess what? Now they're living in isolation. Why? Because they're embarrassed about their past. They're embarrassed of what they're going through. Maybe they're living in isolation just because they feel disconnected and they feel alone in all the stuff that maybe that they're walking through and working through in their lives. And all of that causes what? Frustration. And frustration because you're not where you could be or should be. There were certain aspirations and desires, goals, dreams, visions that you had for your life, but there's too many things that are standing between where you are and where you want to go, and it creates a sense of frustration. And all that does is create what? Tension. Well, guess what that spells? Drift. Distractions, regret, isolation, frustration, tension. What does that mean? That means we're going in the opposite direction where God wants us to be. He has a good plan. He has a purpose. He has a future. He has a hope. And we have to get, regain perspective of where we are. In fact, how do you do that? When Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and I love how the message paraphrase captures this. It says, what's God going to say to my enemies? Now again, this is another prophet named Habakkuk. And he was angry with God because he felt like God went soft on the people. He, he was angry with God. In fact, the whole, the whole entire book of Habakkuk is back basically a prayer that he's praying to God. And he's angry with God because he feels like that God is being too soft. God should be punishing the people for all their disobedience and wrongdoings. And so he's going to God and it says, what's God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and I'll scan the horizon. I'll wait to see, notice, I'll wait to see what God says. How he'll answer my complaint. And Then God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. 
It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. It's exactly what happened with our land situation. You say, well, what is What does that have to do with my life and my marriage and my kids? Let me tell you what it has to do with it. That is an image of expectation. It's a picture, it's a posture, it's an attitude of a watchman who runs out, climbs up on this stone ledge, if you will, climbs up to a watchtower, and he looks out on the horizon. And he's waiting, and he's watching, and he's looking for enemy, for threats, for opposition. He's waiting, he's looking, and he's ultimately waiting to receive a message that he needs to go and convey. That is exactly what parents need to do. That's exactly what a husband and wife needs to do. That's exactly what a single needs to do. We need to watch, we need to Listen, and we need to wait for God to reveal what it is that he wants us to do and how he wants us to live so that we can go his way rather than the wrong way that many people, unfortunately, are going. It's called getting a fresh perspective on where we are. It's the process that's involved in creating a winning Family. So here's a question you need to ask yourself. Are we, are we, are what we are doing today as a couple, as a family, spiritually and relationally, getting us closer to who we want to be tomorrow? I'm going to repeat that. Are what we're doing today as a couple, as a family, spiritually and relationally, getting us closer to who we want to be tomorrow? Seth Godin, one of my favorite leadership writers, says this. The way we choose to get to where we're going defines what it's going to be like when we get there. So here's some more questions. Where do you want to be 5, 10, 20 years from now in your life, in your marriage, and in your family? And an even more important question is this, who do you want to become as a person, as a couple, and as a family? I like to say it this way, get your who before your do. Because when you get the who right, when you define who you want to be as a woman of God, as a man of God, as a person of God, when you define who you want to be as a husband, as a dad, as a mom, as a wife, as an individual, as a single who's preparing for a future relationship. Who do I want to become? That's so important. That will help us when it comes to getting a fresh perspective. But number two is this. We need to seek God's wisdom for our family. I love what Jeremiah 29 verses 12 and 13 says. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. Let me tell you something. The greatest single need of the hour for families, for couples, for all of us. You know what it is? 
It is wisdom. We need wisdom more than anything else. In fact, in Proverbs 4, written by one of the wisest men who ever lived, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, King Solomon said it this way, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. King David, man after God's own heart. King David, he was an incredible warrior. He started as a shepherd boy. You remember him, killed Goliath? God raised him up, incredible warrior. Well, he knew and understood how to build a great army. You know what his secret to success was? He was wise. And why did he have so much wisdom? Not only from his own personal experiences, but he also knew to surround himself by other wise people. You know what he did? He actually gathered 200 men from a tribe known as Issachar. And listen to this. This is not in your notes. I'm giving this to you. This, God put this on my heart the other day. These men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course of action for Israel to take. These guys got it. They understood. Why? Because they were wise. Where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from knowing the word of God. You want to know God's will for your life? Let me tell you how you get it. How you know God's will for your life is knowing God's word. God's will is found in God's word. You see, we're living in a day and age where everybody's caught up in information. We're living in this this consumption of information. We've got smartphones, or actually dumb phones. They're creating all the distractions in our life, right? So, man, we, we, we are consumed. We have information at our fingertips. I mean, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. And y'all heard about the buyout, right? Just happened, went, just went down. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. They did this merger. Did y'all hear about it? Totally just rolled out the whole new brand. You know what it's called? You twit face. So anyway, just want to make sure y'all listen. So, we're living in this world where everybody's consumed with information, right? And now the whole buzz is this whole AI, artificial intelligence. Well, man, doesn't that make you feel good to live in this artificial information age where it's not even legit, it's fake? But yet... That's the direction our world is going. Well, I don't want artificial information. I want the wisdom that comes from God. I want God's revelation on how to live my life, how to to treat my wife, how to treat my kids, how to make wise, God-honoring decisions for my life. You say, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Well, knowledge is built on information. And sadly and unfortunately, for a lot of people, they are smart, they're intelligent, and they know a lot of stuff. But some of those same people are living a wheels-off life spiritually and morally. In fact, those who are incredibly smart at the highest level of academic intelligence are literally illiterate when it comes to some of the most basic spiritual and moral foundations and fundamentals in life. 
And that's the reason why so many of them are miserable and unhappy and empty because they have been chasing off after all the other stuff thinking that those things would be the things that would bring fulfillment and joy and complete and fulfill the whole within their soul. But yet God says, no, 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 no. I have a better way. I have a plan. I have a purpose. And my way is a good way and there's a future and there's a hope as long as you follow my way. I want God's wisdom. So we need his perspective. And we need his wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you just lacks it and longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go how many of you need that today man we need wisdom and how to make wise decisions how to have good judgment how to know the difference between right and wrong we need wisdom to know the why behind the what everybody's got a what everybody's got an opinion we need to know the why we need to hear from god we need to see we need to hear we need to wait for his revelation, get perspective, get wisdom. Number three, we need to design our family's future. Why? Because every family ends up somewhere, but few end up somewhere on purpose. Did you hear that? Every family ends up somewhere. Every marriage ends up somewhere. But few end up on purpose purpose where are you in your life where are you in your marriage where are you in your family your family relationships where are you spiritually where are you going what direction are you moving toward in your life spiritually and relationally what did Jeremiah say in 29 verse 14 I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. God wants to give us his best. He wants to restore within us. Listen, he wants to restore within us his blessings, his provision, his protection. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct our path. But it's going to require change. It's going to require change for some of us. Jim Rohn said it best. He said, you cannot change your destination overnight. But you can change your direction overnight. In other words, if we're running like Roy wrong way regal in the opposite direction we can decide to make a u-turn we can decide to stop we can decide instead of going the wrong way i'm going to turn around and i'm going to go god's way i'm going to run with god god's going to help me he's going to help me in my marriage he's going to help me with my kids Maybe a blended family situation. He's going to help bring us 
all together, unified on the same page with one heart, one mind, one purpose. But it's going to require a fresh perspective, seeing, watching, waiting, listening for God to reveal His plan. It's going to require us to seek wisdom, get off all the YouTube stuff, quit listening to all the so-called influencers out there. Listen to God. Listen to God. There's enough talking heads, enough voices. Everybody's trying to find their voice. I only want one voice in my life, and it's the Spirit of the living God who's navigating, guiding, directing, calling the shots in my life. Stay in His lane. Follow His way. Run His direction. You'll win. You'll win. I promise you, you will win in the game of life. You'll win in your marriage. You'll win with your kids, with your family, if you'll just run God's way. The Bible says where there is no prophetic, no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Gives us passion, gives us motivation, gives us direction, gives us purpose. Every family and every marriage needs an injection of those four things. Every family ends up somewhere, but few end up somewhere on purpose. Let's be that family. Let's be that couple. Let's be that person. Rather than living in reactive mode, let's be proactive. Rather than living by default, let's live by design. According to God's design and His plan and His purpose. Amen? Has this been helpful today? Building a winning future. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. I just want to give you a, a second in your heart to just kind of process everything you just heard of what it is that maybe God is saying to you, speaking to your heart about as a person, as a couple, as a family. I don't know your situation, don't know your context, don't know even maybe what kind of current circumstances you're in. But you need to know that God does. Chances are you need a lot of wisdom, you need a lot of guidance, you need to have some clarity, you need to know some next steps, you need some direction how to get back in alignment, to move toward God and His ways. And maybe today, if you're a follower of Jesus and maybe you've allowed yourself to drift, 
maybe you found yourself, maybe not even intentionally, but maybe unintentionally, you just have allowed the busyness and distractions of life to cause you to not only drift, slowly drift, some of you have just drifted in the wrong way, the wrong direction. It's time to recommit. It's time to make that change, that turnaround. And recommit, recenter your heart, your marriage, your life, your family back on God and His Word. Some of you are here today, and maybe you came as a, the guest of a friend. Somebody invited you to come. Maybe you're watching online. God has been speaking to your heart. And maybe what's missing, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm that guy that went the wrong direction. And I've been running hard, and I've been running fast, and I've gone far. In fact, I didn't even realize how far I had gone until today. And maybe it's time today to stop running. And it's time today to make a U-turn. There's a Bible word called repent. Maybe today it's time just to turn away from the direction you've been going, and turn toward God, and believe in your heart that Jesus died, he was buried, and he came back to life so that you could have forgiveness and have salvation, so that you could have a future and a hope and a purpose and a destiny, not only in this life, in the life to come. If that's your need today, if that's your desire to know Jesus, to have a relationship with him, would you pray this prayer? Just say something like this. Just say, Dear God, I confess to you that I have been running the wrong direction. And today I confess my sins. And Jesus, I believe that you died and you arose again for me. And by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul today. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you happen to have prayed that prayer just then, and maybe you prayed it online, would you do me a favor? If you're in the room today, would you just hold up your hand high toward heaven? Just say, yes, count me in. I just prayed that prayer and I shamed it, man. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. God bless you, ladies. Thank you back there. Thank you. Anybody else? Just say, hey, count me in. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Father, we thank you for these that lifted their hands. That just stretched their hands towards you, Father. Lord, you said if we come close to you, you would come close to us. And so, Father, today we pray that, Lord, as we move towards you, as we seek to win in these areas of our life, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for new, new and fresh beginnings. God, give us wisdom, give us clarity so that we can run our race and receive the victor's, victor's crown. Thank you, Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen and amen.